Yeah, I, I look at memory training like physical training, right? It's like saying uh, I'm, I'm always going to be unfit. Well, we know that if you do physical training, you can get fit, right? So it's the same thing with memory. You, you can actually get your brain fit. And the results are, well, when we do physical training, we could see the results after a period of sustained effort, right? We might get bigger arms or shoulders or, you know, biceps or whatever it is. But when you train your brain, it's not like suddenly your head just grows and you've got a bigger brain, right? <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> that that doesn't happen but the side effects are that you get creative you get more imaginative you can start to innovate more uh, and you can start to solve more problems because you're thinking a lot deeper welcome to season two of voices of value a conversation between peter kakos and rick rushton and their high achieving guests from professional sport olympians business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons if you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. And welcome to another episode of Voices of Value. This is Peter Kakos with, of course, my co-host, Rick Rushton. Rick, welcome to another big day. What's your memory like, Pete? Sorry, what? what yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's pretty good in some real funky areas that has no economic return whatsoever. Like, I can remember song titles and artists from the 80s. I can remember sort of the most stupid trivia. But ask A if she can tell you when the last time I knew where I left my car keys, because I'm always saying, where's my car keys? She will say to you, I do that quite regularly. So my, my memory is kind of a little bit patchy, but luckily we've got someone today who can help us through that and our listeners and our viewers on YouTube uh, through that in terms of a four-time Australian memory champion, Pete. He helps people globally as a memory expert. This guy, for fun, memorised two yellow pages back-to-back in 24 days and then recited them to the Australian media lives to make sure it was all genuine, above board, no strings wow. attached. Unbelievable. What that tells me is you've got to get out more, right? <laughs> let's, let's get a life. For and for sake. those listeners that don't know about the Yellow Pages, it's actually a, uh, a book that's rather thick. Yep. Rather <laughs> with thick. a collection of businesses and uh, where to find them, their phone numbers, everything about that. So, uh, And our guests could recite that, which is interesting. But he does help professional organisations get better with their ability to communicate with their clients and their stakeholders without using mm. notes. He helps presenters present without slides and, and notes again. Uh, helps students this time of the year. Exams are everywhere. He helps students retain information for the purpose, not just of the exam, but for the benefits of life going forward. Helps professional people, helps personal people like me work out where my keys are. He's also a TEDx speaker. He's the licensee of TEDx Docklands, which is where we first connected. And he's someone who just absolutely shares his knowledge and strategies on helping people remember things through his his institute, the Tanzel Institute, which we'll get into shortly. Go Berserk Studio audience for our guest, Tanzel Ali. Cool. That's the studio audience. Uh, awesome. Applause. Thank you. Do you like Tan- the production so Tanzel, far? welcome. I've got to say, it's, uh, it is incredibly exciting to have you on the show. And it's interesting when you talk about memory, it, it's, it's what we all really strive for, mm-hmm. isn't it? That, that better memory to that, that ability to be able to retain information. Absolutely. And it's interesting, Rick, what you said about, you know, with students and so forth and this time of the year especially, yeah. uh, is, is their memories really <laughs> really <laughs> come cooked. to the forefront, don't they? And they are, they are absolutely cooked. But, uh, but Tanzel, thanks for being on the show. And, and let's, let's kick off by saying, you know, where did it all start for you? Yeah, first, thanks for having me on, Shane. Uh, so sorry, Peter. <laughs> um, it's obviously great to be here. And, um, it's funny too. I yeah, like that. No, yeah. It's, uh, no, it's great. Um, memory is one of those things where you don't realise you need it until you need it. Um, so, you know, when it comes to learning about memory, um, I, I was actually a big sceptic. <laughs> so I never really believed in improving one's memory. In fact, I used to watch a lot of late-night TV back in the day. And there was, you know, shows like David Letterman. So I'd be up late at night watching them and there'd be these memory gurus up on stage memorizing everyone's name. And I thought, these guys are all fake. You know, they just they just want to sell their cassette tapes. It was back then. <laughs> so, and I thought, nah, they're, 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 I've got a shocking memory. How could they do it? So I thought it was all fake. And then a friend of mine came up to me one day and said, Tansel, I can remember 40 random objects back to front any order. Well, I'm like, what? Like those guys on late night TV? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah right anyway (laughs) so i'm like i have to test this guy out now so gave him some words and surely enough he memorized them all perfectly when i tested him and i didn't see him write down anything i said well how did you do that 
And he said, oh, it's easy, memory techniques. I'm like, well, what do you mean memory techniques? I mean, we weren't taught anything like this at school. Surely we would have known. And I said, where'd you get it from? He goes, oh, I got it from a book that I read. Oh, well, what's the book's name? And he couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you idiot. Uh, so... Anyway, I went and, you know, did some research and uh, I, there was a really powerful tool actually I came across back in. This was back in 2002 yep. um, and I used that and it's called, uh, it's still around today, it's called Google, right? So <laughs> you, you can jot that one down because I, I think it's still being used, right? Yeah. So I Googled memory techniques and guess what? Uh, sites came up, websites showing you how to improve your memory. So did a bit of reading and researching and came across courses and classes and I thought, well, well where's this been all my life? You know, I was in my you know early mid twenties and uh, started doing and practicing these skills, and then I said to my friend, "Look, let's let's train together. Let's see how far we go with this thing. You know, because it's a bit of fun. We're using imagination. We're using our creativity. It's not memorization, as in I'm just going to rote learn everything. It's it's a total opposite. And we'll probably talk more about that. But um, yeah, we started you know working more and more and getting together and just having a laugh and. As I'm, you know, Googling, uh, I'll name that term as well, as we're Googling memory <laughs> techniques, I came across the Australian Memory Championships and I said to my friend, look, let's enter it. We'll come last. Who cares? I want two, you know, guitarists playing in metal bands, you know. <laughs> what are, you know, two bogans going to do at a memory competition? So we entered the competition and I came second in Australia and he came third and we broke all these memory records. And I said to my friend, what the hell's going on? You know, we've got, I've got a shocking memory and here I am breaking memory records just by using memory techniques. And so, how long was that after you read the book? Um, that, that was just within weeks, wow. really, because wow. it was just techniques. I mean, we were mucking around. We were, we were making a lot of mistakes, but yeah. we were having fun with it. Yeah. And it, it just turned out that other people weren't as good as well. So, <laughs> yeah. so was the bar low? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> oh, look, it's, it's amazing what you can accomplish, even if you learn a little bit of yeah, the yeah. technique. Yeah. So we are memorizing things like 78 words in 15 minutes, yeah. you know, um, that's really low. But in reality, you know, try doing that in 15 minutes, memorizing yeah. 78 words. I mean, it was quite remarkable uh, yeah. what you can do i'm really interested in in the fact that you actually said you had a bad memory and then all of a sudden within weeks you had you had a great memory so it's interesting there's a label all of a sudden you put on yourself um so so looking back you know you'd, you'd say that you didn't have a bad memory it was just like you didn't give your chance give yourself a your mind a chance to you know memorize and and so forth all, all the skills techniques so could this be something that is for everyone anyone who's out there and says look i haven't got a great memory and I always forgetting where I put things or, you know, um, a list at the supermarket on there, scratching my head going, well, what did I need again? <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. Are you saying this could be for everyone? Yeah, I, I look at memory training like physical training, right? It's like saying uh, I'm, I'm always going to be unfit. Well, we know that if you do physical training, you can get fit, mm -hmm. right? So it's the same thing with memory. You can actually get your brain fit. And the results are, well, when we do physical training, we could see the results after a period of sustained effort, right? We might get bigger arms or shoulders or, you know, biceps or whatever it is. But when you train your brain, it's not like suddenly your head just grows and you've got a bigger <laughs> brain, right? And you can it's see that, the reward for effort. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. But the side effects are that you get creative, you get mm. more imaginative, mm. you can start to innovate more uh, and you can start to solve more problems because you're thinking a lot deeper. So they're the, I guess, the flow and effects of having a better memory. But no one really thinks of that. They just think you've got to either be born with it or you can't really work it. I mean, no one really improves their memory by doing crosswords and little apps and things like that. I mean, that's, that, that's, I don't really believe in all that stuff, but just direct access and what I call encoding of the brain. Mm. These are little strategies that once you start training them, really get you to a higher level. So are we saying yeah. that there's no one who has a bad memory, they've just got bad processes in terms of how they first retain or store the information, retain it, and then go recall it and bring it back? Is that what we're talking about? Um, look, mostly, I mean, there are medical conditions, obviously, yeah. you can have for, you know, people having bad memory, but you know, mostly it's a, you know, a trained memory. Yeah. Once you start training it then you can have something that's phenomenal and what we think is phenomenal is you know like memorizing the phone book i mean if we knew the techniques as kids we'd be laughing at that now yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. you memorize the phone book there's people out there memorizing libraries or you know stuff like that but we just think it's superhuman because we just weren't taught 
those mm. techniques. So there's a difference, isn't there, between like reading a book and so forth. Or well, I mean, I'm imagining there's a difference. I mean, you, you tell us, but you, you're reading a book and you're memorizing things like yellow pages or a phone book or whatever. Then there's the things that people actually tell you, like names, mm. um, um, where they're from, where they're going on a holiday, what's their favorite mm. drink, favorite color, and all those sorts of things. Is that a different sort of a process in terms of what being able to restore what someone actually says to you, um, as opposed to just sort of reading reading it on, on a paper or reading a book and so forth? Yeah, that's a really good question. I know, I know you've done your research uh, on this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, well done, good, well played. Um, yeah, look, it, it's pretty much a similar process because when you look at information, right, really it's data. It's like zeros and ones, right? Like when a computer works, the when it goes through cables and stuff, it's like zeros and ones. And once it gets in there, then there's encoding done. So, it, you know, by the end of it, it gives you an image. Right? So it's the same thing that happens with the brain is when we look at data, whether it's names, whether it's other languages, whether it's what we read, it doesn't make sense until we create an image in our head and then tell a story. So story making is really the essence of memory because stories connect. So for example, if I do meet another Peter, right? Or meet yourself, for example, right? For me, that that's an abstract name, right? In fact, most names are abstract. That's why people forget names a lot. But if you create an image, so imagine, uh, I can imagine you with a head like a pita bread, right? I'll just, I'll just <laughs> say that, right? Not a stretch, really. <laughs> like pita bread. So I really imagine that and people are tearing bits off your head just to eat the bread, right? Just, just you know, silly stuff like that. Mm. That's what the brain remembers because now I've made a little you know, narrative mm. from that image that I've created. So next time people see you, they're like, hey, why is his head like a pita bread? Oh, right. It's pita. Right. So that's how the encoding process works. And the more you train your brain, the quicker you get at it. And is that why people yeah. say, you know, I'm, I'm terrible with names, but I'm really good with faces? Because visually they've remembered mm. the face, but they can't link the name back to the face because they haven't created a story to it. Yeah, that's correct. And there's been studies done as well where they've, they've had people in front of images and, you know, that about 98% literally recalled all those thousands of images. Mm. Yeah. So visually, um, it, it just encodes a lot better in our brain. That's why when we go to read a book, we always go back and reread. Why? Because we haven't created the images yet. But when we're watching a movie or something, we're not trying to remember the words, are we? We're, we're just, or we're just watching. You know, we're not mem- right. remembering the that. words. Like, a lot of people yeah. say that. Like, have you read the book? No, but I'll just wait for it to become a movie because I'll retain it better there. Like a lot of people think yeah. that, don't because they? Because it's in images and it tells a story. So yeah. you don't have to sit there trying to you know, memorize everything. You're you're already taking it in, and that's why when I do show speed reading, uh, speed reading is essentially just encoding the words into images. And because you're seeing the images, you just naturally read faster now. So it's not about moving your finger faster or just moving your eyes faster it's just a way of encoding yeah so it's not like the individual Mm. words like fox and rabbit and horse it's like Mm. the rider was on the horse chasing the fox he jumped over and you're imagining the story so therefore you retain it there was a speaker pete called glenn capelli back in the 90s i'll never forget that he 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 put up a random amount of words like 40 words how many could you retain i remember thinking okay i'm competitive so i'm ready to do this so I'm trying to remember, and I'm just remembering, you know, going across the lines, going across the lines, going across the lines. When it came time to divulge it back down again, I could remember about maybe 8, 10, 12. Then when he said, why don't you make a story of, of the words? And I remember picturing the house, and there was a door, and there was a flower, and there was a flower pot. And I was thinking uh, a rake in front of it, and, all, and then I could like almost double it. And I think that was the technique that you're talking about there, Tansel, just have yeah. a visual story behind the words, and then you'll mm. retain a lot more. But, you know, I'm, I'm always baffled by people that can go, I've met 300 people and I can recite their names. You know, this is Peter, this is Emma, this is their daughter, Olive, this is their son, Oscar. Like, how do they do that? And, yeah. and you're getting back to that, create a story around 300 yeah. names as opposed to just meet 300 people and try and cram those sort of names into a short-term memory, which isn't designed for that. Absolutely. And it's actually easier to remember uh, more information as the person gives it to you because you can now extend on that story. So if they say the name's Bob, I can imagine someone bobbing up and down consistently, <laughs> right? And they say, oh, yeah, they, they're an accountant. So they're bobbing up and down doing someone's taxes and their you know, daughter's name's you know, Ollie or something and my cat's name's Ollie. So I can imagine you know, a cat jumping up on that and guys, you know, crack or something or whatever i mean you can just make up some silly story right so all you're doing is connecting so next time you see that person bob triggers and then bob triggers you know ollie and everything else from it so Mm. but how do you so what do you do there so say you remember all that information right and then you regurgitate it back 
Do you just then dump – is that a file you dump out of your brain and you don't think of it five minutes later, let alone five months later or five years later? Is that, is that how it works for you? Or? No, it's a, it's a really good question because if you want to retain something for long term, you've got to sort of go back at some stage as well because if you just leave it and if the story is weak because that's what training a memory is, it's training it so that you do make a really good story so you don't have to keep going back, mm. right? But if you want retained names for a longer period of time, let's say you meet someone, you might go back with that story that you made – maybe a couple of hours later and then maybe the next day saying, hi, I met, met this guy, he was a story, mm. right? So you, so you keep doing that. Um, it's called space repetition. So whenever you're going to memorize something, um, you do it, say, review, say, two hours later and then do 24 hours later, a week later, two weeks later, and, and you sort of double it and that, that's the process there. Uh, so is that that stuff – sorry, Pete. Is that that stuff where they talk about people that have been abused in their childhood as an example? And I don't want to make light of that because that's a pretty challenging scenario, but they say it's hard for counsellors to move them on because their story they've told themselves and they've retained it so vividly for so long, mm. it's very hard for them to spatially move forward until they actually deal with that story. Is that, is that what you're talking about Yeah, there? absolutely. I mean, the story is really – once it's got emotion in there, then, then we really remember it. So yeah. when I train people, I train them to first improve visually uh, their imagination and the next step is to add emotion in there. So once mm. you start adding emotion, then you really can't forget. So those, those instances where there's trauma involved, that's, yes. that's massive, yeah. you know, stories inside and emotion, everything like that. And you can't necessarily create a better story because nothing's going to be as big as that. But there are certain techniques to sort of move it along. And that's why, you know, counsellors and psychologists and they have their own sort of methods. Gee, that's, there. That goes yeah. down a whole different path, doesn't it? That's, it does, uh, that's yeah. really, really powerful. What about numbers? Tanzel, what, what uh, are there stories around numbers and things like that? How because you, you're retaining like decks of cards as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's all the same thing because yeah. numbers are abstract, just like words. They're abstract. So what we do is we create images for the numbers, right? So and you could do single digits. We do pairs of digits, but I'll just give you an example. So single digits might be zero, might look like a donut, <laughs> yep. right? Number one could be a pen. <laughs> You know, number seven could look like the edge of a cliff or it could be a nose or something like that. So when the numbers come up, you just make a story with the numbers, right? And that, that's that's really the way to do it. Jeez. Yeah. So could we go to Crown and sort of break the bank? <laughs> could, we, <laughs> could, we, could we play blackjack and count the deck? Could we, could we be Rayman? Are you a lethal weapon? <laughs> Is yeah. this Rayman meets Crown Melbourne? Could we do that? I mean, how do you think I made my money? No. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. We might cut that out, Dom, just in case anyone's <laughs> listening from the ATO. But uh, but is that is that what they do? Is that what card counters do? No, no, card no. counters have their own system. So yeah. they have this plus or minus thing going on. I don't know if you've seen the movie 21, but yeah, that, that's, pr- that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so anyway, what we're saying there is is that there's coding and you can turn numbers into donuts. I'm, yeah. having, I'm having a great memory there. So <laughs> I, I was watching um, something on YouTube that you did and <clears throat> let's talk about the Yellow Pages, for example, because I'd imagine there's there's a whole lot of things to remember there. And, and so can we, if we can just sort of step through a process, for example, so there's a there's a business, there's a name of a business and it's a phone number. Could you give us an example of, of a story that you've created around something? Sure, um, sure. So let, let's take, for example, Jim's mowing, right? Yep. So I imagine Jim now, when I think of Jim's mowing, that's the business name. And then there's a telephone number. So that's what I had to memorize. This mm. was a PR company that contacted me, by the way. So they said, memorize the phone book. And I almost said no. I almost turned them down. And I thought, well, I did the basic calculations. And I thought, yeah, I might be able to pull it off. So, so it was about know, 30 seconds each, each ad? Is that what Yeah, you I tried to uh, essentially say, okay, what's the longest it's going to take me to memorize uh, an ad? And then multiply that by, you know, I went uh, and reviewed it eight times over the yellow pages. So, um, yeah. What and, a whole thing. How many pages? Um, it was over 2,300 on each, um, yeah, each so book. Four, and it was a Sydney six. Yellow Pages. So, it's yeah, not like, it's, for me, a territory for you. M- Melbourne was tiny compared to Sydney, so <laughs> they, they, they really gave it to me. But, um, yeah, in terms of the, the process, so what I do is I try to create a really strong visual for Jim's, Jim's mowing. Right. And uh, so I'd, you know, look at the picture that it has on the gym's mowing, the dude with the beard and, you know, the trailer maybe, because that's what comes to my mind. I think of gym's mowing. Okay. Okay. That's gym's mowing. Um, And then I'd look at the number and uh, I use my own system for numbers. So I remember in pairs of digits. So, you know, 17 could be a dog or 71 could be a cat. And this is using a technique called the major system where you substitute letters for numbers, right? So seven could be a cut sound and one could be a T. That's why I've come up with cat. Right. So I'd look at the numbers and it might be nine, seven, one, two, seven, one, seven, seven, something like that. So nine, seven's a bike. 
right? So I'd picture a bike, you know, being, you know, ridden up the trailer, right? Uh, and then all the other numbers follow through as a story. So essentially that's what I did. And uh, in competition, we do them within seconds, right? But I thought I'll just go really slowly, make the story really, you know, really crazy. Um, and then I think that'll put me in good stead. And I reviewed it quite a bit as well. So I think that's what really solidified it for me. It's like the imitation game, isn't it? It's like he's a code breaker, you know, just created his own code that you understand so your brain retains yeah. it. It's, it's not my code. No, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But like you've been able to drill yourself, immerse yourself in the technique, make it a skill and then just mm. use it for for good, clearly, not for <laughs> yeah. harm, for good, which is important. Um, talk to me about, you know, short-term versus long-term memory because, you know, a lot of kids that are cramming for exams at the moment or mm. someone, who, you know, a parent who's got a, a wedding speech to make or something this coming Saturday or, you know, they start, you know, getting really sort of trying to remember did it, is the word the or that and they get so insular about each word that they, mm. they, they fail to chunk and they, they fail to probably have the main sort of stories. But I think my analogy that I heard once that I'll share with you is that it's a bit like trying to stuff raincoats and jackets into your sock drawer. It's really hard mm. to, to sort of get that long-term memory into a short-term uh, file. Mm. Does, it, does that sort of have any sort of resonation with you? Yeah. Uh, what, what generally happens is when we try and remember something, and this is what we're taught at school really, we're not even taught at school, is you just repeat stuff, you know, rote learning and, and try and get it in there. But what happens is that it's got no location to go to. So it's, you know, gets up into the cloud, right, in your head. So it's just swinging around. So it's like saying, you know, you telling me, oh, just come to our office, right, but not telling me where it is, right? So, you know, that's, that's what you do in real life. But when information goes in, you, you don't ask where it goes. So you just try and find it in there. And when you haven't found it, you go back and repeat. So what was it again? What was it again? So that's mm -hmm. why the short term, it goes into our short term memory when we first try and memorize, but short term memory wasn't designed for that. It was only designed for like, remember where we parked our car or left our keys, things like that. And we still get that wrong, mm. <laughs> right? So the trick is to be able to put holding spots into your brain, like almost like folders on a computer. Yep. Right, so when you got folders on a computer, um, then you can file the information away and just walk away. And then when you want to get to that information, you know what that, where that folder's stored, right? So the trick is to be able to do that, um, and that can also retain in long-term memory. So when I work with um, a lot of people, um, especially you know, doing their postgrad or medical students, I get a lot of law students, and they're sitting there, you know, the bar exams and medical exams, and uh, it's about creating those um, holding spots, the folders in their head. And then putting the information in, and whenever they need it, they can just ex extract at any given point in time. So they so, train the pathway to find it. Is that what you do? Do you help them? I, I train them uh, to memorize, so create the pathway to get into that yep. storage location, and obviously show them how to put those folders in there, like the method you were mentioning before about the gate and you know all yep. that. So that's called the method of loci that the ancient Greeks used to use, and wow. it's also called memory palace now. It's a more sexier term these days, but. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, techniques like that really help. But it's it's. I mean, that's just memory techniques. Usually, those things we do last when studying. So studying really deals with a lot of information. So first thing that you need to do is you need to organize that information because if information's organized, yep. it's a lot easier to tackle. So it's like imagine there's dots uh, all on the whiteboard, right? Uh, and they're scattered everywhere. And if I told you to count how many, you might sort of have a guess, right? But if I put those dots in order, you'll just look at the rows and say, okay, that's 12 or that's 20, right? So that's what organized information does. So when information's organized, then you can say, okay, here's what I need to learn. Here's what I need to study. Here's what I need to memorize. Here's what I need to apply. So it makes learning a lot easier as a structured process rather than I'm just going to memorize anything because even that is just counterproductive because you'll be wasting energy. So yeah. how, how, important, how important is chunking? When you're doing that, you know, when you've got all that information and you can chunk them into, you know, bytes that are easy then to the, then uh, put into the files that you want to recall later on. Yeah, oh, look, absolutely vital. I mean, if you're just putting one bit of information, you're going to have to have a lot of folders. But if you get a, a chunk together and it could be something in context or it could be a group of information that's related, yeah. then it's easier to recall all that because it's all in one spot. So, yeah, very, very powerful method. Mm. You were talking before about rope learning. Mm. So mm. how does that differ from the sort of stuff that you were talking about there? Yeah, rope learning is just 
pretty much just repetition. Like we look at something and we repeat it over and over again and we read over and over again and, and, and when we expect it to get inside our head. Now, yes, granted, that works to some extent, but when we get to recall that information, uh, right, during, uh, I guess, time, when time passes by, we lose bits and pieces so yeah. we don't get everything in there. When you do the memory locations or when you store that information, everything goes in there and everything that you essentially want to remember goes in there so you'll never miss anything essentially so a lot of people that i work with they've ended up getting 100 percent in their exams mm. you know because they've able to store everything in there and that's what we do in memory competitions is we can't afford to make any mistake whatsoever if we do instead of coming first we come last yeah wow. you know so the scoring system is really really strict so when we memorize it's essentially for Perfect recall. Yeah. <laughs> what would your uh, what would your techniques be for for someone who forgets where they put things like keys, wallet, just general things on a day to day basis? Where it's like, oh, where did I put that? Or which is the majority of our <laughs> listening and viewing <laughs> audience? I'm just channeling the uh, the listeners <laughs> yeah, out there. I so. get that. Not you because you're very organised, <laughs> <laughs> Emma. <laughs> so yeah. So what what would your what would your techniques be? Um, uh, I guess the first technique is for people to subscribe, yes, um, because they have to remember to obviously watch shows like this. Yep. Um, so that that's that's the yep. I said it. See, <laughs> you've got it in your notes. Yep. T- tick that on your tick. notes. Um, yeah. So essentially, it's all about well, learning and education. Right, they need to be able to get into it. They need to be able to read the books. They need to be able to understand that these there are techniques out there that work. Right. So what I do is essentially if, if it is something like keys or something I would remember, usually it's almost mindless. <laughs> right. We just pop our keys on the table and walk away. And then mm. we say, oh, where's our keys, hun? We're walking around and you look everywhere, you can't find it. And then, you know, that's that. Right. So you get frustrated. So the trick to be able to remember things like that is make the story when you're actually putting down those items. So, for example, if you're putting the keys on the table, imagine the keys getting bigger and bigger and heavier and breaking the table. Or something you know like that. So next time you're walking around the house, you walk past a table. Hang on, why the table break? And you look down, and the keys have fallen, or something like that. So it's just making that story um, a connection. So as we spoke about yeah. before, it's not just the imagery, but the story. And if you add emotion, wow, that's another level there. Mm. And if you add emotion around that, because I I lived with my brother when I was 15, and um, when I was starting to learn how to drive, you know, I'd be using his keys and then when it came time for him to need the car he'd go where'd you put the keys and I'd go I don't know I couldn't remember and I'd have to go think about where I put the keys and I had a real bad track record in my teenage years of forgetting where I left my wallet and my keys but I could remember song titles and artists which was stupid but couldn't remember something tangible like where's the keys and then we'd be looking and then he, he, I go oh I found them and he go where were they and I go the last place I looked he goes exactly because if it was the first place you looked and he kept on looking you'd be an idiot <laughs> and he was just saying to me your process is stupid and I remember thinking maybe he's on to something there maybe it's not my memory's bad because I've got a good memory I think you know I can remember stuff and retain mm-hmm. stuff I'm really good with names and because if I get introduced to somebody um and say your name was Craig, I'm shaking your hand, I'm looking and I'm saying the word Craig, but I'm picturing my brother-in-law on your shoulder. Mm. So when I see you again, I see that. So I can remember names pretty well with faces because mm. I've done that. And I'm thinking maybe it's just a little bit of coding that I had that no one really taught me, but I just did it. Mm. So but so I started doing that with things like keys and waltz and things. Mm. So you, what you're saying is create a story, make it almost like a cartoon story, which makes yeah. it even more, your brain's going, oh, I better pay attention here because this doesn't seem real. <laughs> so mm. creates it as real. And then you, you've you got a better chance of reta- retaining what's going on. Yeah, and Craig's my cat's name as well. So that makes it so a lot easier. So it's an easy one. Yeah, yeah. Well, had I known that, now I'm picturing a cat every time I see a Craig. No, names is a big, isn't it? Because yeah, it is. to use someone's name is one of the most powerful things you could do. It's Great a, point. It's that instant sort Rapport. of connection. Yep. and. So, so understanding, and I'd just love to, you know, we're all about hacks here, Tansel. Mm. You know, like, you know, I'm, I'm picturing now someone at a at a dinner party or at a um, yeah. at, a, at a function, yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm. you're meeting multiple people. You've just met twelve people in the last five minutes, and it's like, you know, and some people, and you know, I can hear them now saying, you know, I, I meet meet someone, they say their name, gone, <laughs> <laughs> like in an instant. Mm. Um, how do you frame up? Yeah, you know, or, or let, let's go to that picture that yourself in a party. And I know mm. you said, you know, Peter, the pita bread and all that yep, sort of stuff. Yep. Can we do a bit of example and, and run real off about, you know, let's say 10 names of of, of, of a typical story? What Tanzel at, mm. at a dinner party or Tanzel at a, at a function? 
step us through what how you go about that. Yeah, sure. The, the first thing that I do, and this is something, you know, I've picked up from other memorizers and colleagues and stuff as well, because, you know, we're, you know, a bit of a group and team and help each other out, which is great, um, is, you know, always prepare yourself to, you know, before you get into that environment, is, okay, I'm going to remember names, you know, try and get in that mindset. Because, you know, you're going to have to remember these names. So once you get into that mindset, it's almost like you're, you know, putting, turning on the switch. So right? loosening the hammies of your mind, just doing a bit of a stretch. Do, do, do the stretches. Mm. Right? Okay. Do the stretches yep. and all that sort of stuff. You know, maybe if you see a pole and you can start you know, doing physics. <laughs> like, you know, you do stuff. You do your stretches and then you get in and, Flick the you switch. know, you're ready to make stories in your head and say, okay, I'm ready. You know, as soon as they say a name, bang, I'm into it. And if they give me any more information, bang, I'm okay, going to try so my let's best. Meet the first person. So, so just yes. before that, can I just say that, Rick, because I, I think this is really important is, and, and you said to yourself, oh, I'm crap at memory. I've got, you know, the memory, you know, back in the early days. I, would that be one of the first things to say, give yourself a break and say, well, no, I haven't been able to sort of retain and restore mm. and so forth. Um, now's I'm going to be open to this and here I go. So that mm. that's part of the stretching, isn't it, to say yeah. give yourself permission. Yeah, 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 the inner dialogue yep. and, and give yourself permission to sort of, okay, here I go, mm. I'm in learning mode. Yeah, and, and if you do forget, I mean, we're human at the end of the day. You know, even I've forgotten. <laughs> you know, even I've forgotten. And I've said to her, sorry, I've forgotten your name or whatever. It's the last, I can't remember the last time that happened. But, <laughs> you know, when, when it does happen, <laughs> when it does happen and people go, hang on, but you're the memory guy. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm human as well. I, I thought I made know? a mistake once, but I was mistaken. I was just a little bit not quite right. But, but I do um, get a lot of people come to me and say, oh, do you remember me? And I was like, no, are you important? <laughs> and they, they freak out. So it's funny. Yeah. The reverse actually has a yeah. really cool effect. And, yeah. and when John Howard heard that, I was only Prime Minister of Australia for 11 years, but you don't remember remember me that's fine um so what do you so i think pete's point is valid so we're, Let, yeah, we're in, the, in the party and and i want to know how you do it with a name like craig clearly cat yeah one of them says was a real like a, a scandinavian name that you've got no real reference point for like some real radical name that you've never heard before like stefan no well, <laughs> stefan you can think of a tennis player i think but i'm thinking of something that's like a real hard to pronounce hard to even remember mm. name yeah you know, i want to know how you do that one too we, we might have to uh consult uh, the google yeah yeah, 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 maybe. yeah. that's a term you <laughs> came up with learn. i know google uh but how do you do it what's so oh, look, you break it down like an example i give is i used to work with a guy named vj and i'm gonna there we go right and okay. um you're thinking Sing okay and I'm thinking, okay, okay how do you, yeah, I hope he's watching, by the way. Awesome guy, beautiful moustache. So what I do with that name is I break it down. So I think VJ, okay, DJ, right? Uh, Arangan, I think an orangutan, or my daughter's got red hair, so a little rangan, maybe, <laughs> you know, ranga. Um, and then Rama, I think of maybe drama or something. So I'm just making images at this stage. Yeah. And then Chandran, I think of maybe Chandering or something. <laughs> like, that means vomiting in, in Australian. Slang. Right? Slang. <laughs> so, so you've got a DJ, you know, orangutan, drama, and chundering. So that all you got to do now is connect the story together in sequence. So you got this guy with a beautiful moustache. He's DJing at a nightclub, right? Suddenly, orangutan jumps on him, causes all this drama at the nightclub, and everyone's just chundering <laughs> as a result, right? Love so, can it. you Love recall it. that name from the start, from that story? Yeah. So v VJ Orangutan. Yeah. Ramachandra. Yeah, we can. Kind of. We didn't say it very well. Yeah. We might not have had quite the Sri Lankan slang on it, but we, we got it. No, we didn't get it. Is that what you're saying? We, I thought we got it. I don't know. You both said it really quick. Can oh. you say it again, maybe one you by one, so yeah. we can uh, test VJ it out? Chandra. <laughs> VJ Ramachandra. VJ Ramachandra. Uh, VJ. Think of the story. Think of the story. Yes, yeah, so, orangutan, yeah. and the drama and the chanda. So it's uh, Ramachandra. Yeah, VJ Arangan, Rangan, Rangan, Rama, Rama Chandra, Chandra. I wasn't it. listening. Okay, I think we've got song titles and there. artists from the eighties. I'm all over it. <laughs> what about this song? <laughs> <laughs> if we converted that into a song, you'd remember it. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get back to the party. Yeah, we're at the party. Yeah, we're at the party. So VJ Aranga Rama Chandra. Because it's interesting, and the reason I ask this. Tangel is it's it's when you're like for example a lot of our listeners are, are real estate people and there's an open for inspection where you could have 10 15 or 20 people through okay then all of a sudden that second or third group come back to you after everyone else has left and it's like whoa okay you were Dennis yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even worse you meet them at a 12 to 12 30 open 
and then you don't see them again until yes. about 4 to 4.30 and you see them come up and then you go, how you going? Hey, you. Uh, I've got yeah. your details, of course. I just need them for this register. Yeah, my name is – oh, of course, that's right, DJ. Yeah, I know I've got your details. Yeah, I'll just write it I'm just going to write it again <laughs> anyway. So how do you do that one? Yeah, it's very, very important, isn't it? Because, you know, their role is to connect with people on, on mm. a deeper level yeah. and make them feel important. And it, it's not just about being able to remember the name, which is the window. It's about being able to really understand and care for them. And so it goes on a deeper level. I used to um, – yeah, uh, do a lot of this stuff with, you know, in real estate and because it's so important to have that connection. So again, it's, you're still doing one by one each person, but you still have to have a trained memory because if you don't have a trained memory and get into all this name stuff, it's going to take you ages to create that story. And then a new group comes along, a new person comes along, right? Mm. So th that's a difficulty when starting out with names is that the story making ability is, you know, and especially if that person's not creative, um, they're going to take a longer time to make that story. So, you know, for tips like that, I suggest definitely training your memory. It, do it doesn't take that long, but the more stories you make, the better you get at that. And when you do come across names, right, you can create the image and use it as a template. So all the Craigs I meet are cats, right? All the Pauls, uh, Pauls I meet are Pauls. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because, you know, when you meet someone and then you instantly say, yeah, my first dog was named that or, right. you know, or, or my, my auntie's you you know, budgie is, uh, is called that or whatever it may mm, be. Yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah. try not to say that to people but <laughs> <laughs> only to Craig's because it's funny how they look similar as well to the cat. So maybe they've all come from <laughs> morphed into one. <laughs> well, I remember walking down a, a street in Sydney and there's this little, one of those little pugs walking along. It's tiny. And I said, oh, beautiful dog. What's its name? And, it said, and he said, Ian. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I can't yeah, picture that. Yeah. But anyway, every time I see an Ian now, you you're a little that? pug dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so as a kid growing up, we used to play a card game, brothers and sisters. We would just get pairs and we put them out on a grid. And, you know, I'd always attack the game really strategically. So, I'd like, I'd, I'd memorise the first corner, left corner and then I'd go to the bottom. I'd sort of strategically go around it and then you know i could clean house after about three or four goes of turning around because i could remember where things were and my sisters would go bloody hell you're a freak at this game and i'm thinking no i was just following a process is that what i'm hearing with what you're talking about it's not you have to have a freakish memory you just got to have a process that allows your memory to shine is that what i'm hearing yeah it's exactly what your brother said to you when you you know couldn't remember the keys you go you got a crappy process yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so once you have that process it's, it's just a system and then the techniques actually add on top of that yeah, so when I actually work with people, um, it's not because they have a bad memory or they don't know the techniques. It's because they don't know how to use it. <laughs> they don't have a system in place. So when they do go out and meet a lot of people, well, you need a system for that. You can't just go and make a story for each person. You've got to you know, have a plan of attack. You've got to have a strategy. Um, I've actually worked with a lot of football clubs as well, and when they go and try to memorize, say, plays or structures, um, they don't really have a system. So when I've sort of sat down with them, say, look, here's a system to get the new guys uh, versus the guys that know off the top of their head really well to connect this and synthesize this information. But it's not just using a technique. You need a whole process in place. So that's what I do. I'm essentially a problem solver. I look at people's you know, challenges or problems and I create systems around it with the memory technique. So that, that's how I approach it. And yeah. if someone wants to meet you in person, obviously they will have the links on this to the Tanzil Institute, which is uh, something that you sort of are really passionate about, working with people in their sphere and what their challenges are and helping them solve that. But you've also got two best-selling books as well, which people could access uh, fairly well, The Yellow Elephant and How to yep. Solve Anything in Virtually 48 Hours, which I think is um, an interesting title alone. So mm. we'll make sure the links are, are to those particular books. Is there anything you could give our listening audience that you would go, as Pete says, you know, a hack that they can leave this episode mm. with and go, I'm going to give that a go right now and get some, you know, maybe some low-hanging fruit, something they can get a, a reward for pretty quickly and go, this intrigues me enough to want to know more about this Tanzel guy or this intrigues me enough to want to get the exercises going so my brain mm. is trained uh, around this. Is there anything you can sort of share with our, our audience that they can sort of do straight away? Yeah, look, I can actually give them four things. Here we go. Well, um, that's the way we are yeah, here at Voices of Value. We're value-added. <laughs> we, we have to. There's no mucking around. Um, so when it comes to memory, it's once you start getting the results, you just want more of it. And that, that's what 
you know, I guess in, inspi inspired me, if I can get that out. That's what inspired me to keep moving forward because I was able to do what I can do. I was like, imagine what I can do for other people. So, you know, hopefully if people do get this information, they can really make the most of it and not just help themselves, but help others as well. So what they can do is I'm happy to give them my, the first book that I wrote, The Four Most Powerful Memory Techniques. Um, so all they have to do for that is go onto my website, tansalali.com. Um, and they can essentially download that for free, right? And that's uh, I put that on the um, – there used to be an uh, e-book online on the Android store and iOS store years ago, about right. 10 years ago, and we had over 100,000 downloads um, internationally <laughs> and about 10,000 overnight on the iOS store. So wow. it, it went absolute bonkers when it first came out, and um, now I'm just sort of – you know, making sure that people have access to it because the techniques there, are, you know, you've got your number rhyme technique, you've got your memory palace that we talked about, the journey technique, and, and you've got others in there like, you know, remembering keys and stuff like that. So, and, you know, it only takes about 15 minutes to read as well because so I've made it. Tantalali.com. Tantalali.com. T-A-N-S-E-L-A-L-I.com. And we'll yeah. have the link on there on, on uh, both the um, the sites and uh, the YouTube channel as well. What, I, what cool. I'm loving is is hearing about the, the processes and the strategies and all that sort of stuff and also the training that sort of needs. I think, um, and I must be uh, must say I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, is thinking that is it, there's got to be a quick fix. Yes. There's got to be something. <laughs> Come on, just give me something. It's got to be this quick fix. But everything we do in life is about a process and a structure and a strategy, isn't it? And it's mm. about – then it's about the learning and taking the time to actually learn. This is what memory is about. Memory is no different than a bicep. You know, you're not going to get a, you're not going to get a bicep straight away or a six pack straight away. <laughs> you know, you have to work for it. Exactly mm. right. Uh, but and people think memory. Oh yeah, there might be a quick fix or injection or something like a pill or whatever. Mm. But it's not. It's it's simple techniques. Now the techniques are simple. It's how you make it work. Really, it's up to you, uh, and you can take it as high as you want, or you can use it for something basic. Um, there's all different levels. Yeah. And and then what what you find that people try and do is say, oh, I'll try and create my own method. I'll try, but there's actually proven methods that actually yeah. work. So why you know, reinvent the wheel? Yeah, but but again, it's people trying to speed up, and there's mm. no shortcuts to any place worth going. Yeah, yeah we so agree. it's taking the time, doing the work, um, and but knowing that there's people like you in the world mm. that are the that have been so in, incredibly. Um, torchbearers, in fact, in, in leading the way in terms of memory and how to do it. Yeah. And, I feel we have to be. I feel we have to be because I feel like if I don't pass this knowledge on, um, it's just absolutely useless for me because mm. it's no good for me personally, but it's great for everyone because this is stuff that needs to be shared. Um, you know, there's people out there that's struggling to present. You know, so once they know these techniques, now they can present powerfully without notes. They can do their pitches perfectly. They they could do all sorts of cool stuff. And for me, that's really rewarding. Like last year, I, I trained up about half the speakers for TEDx Docklands, and they came to me with four or five pages of script. Yeah, I said, like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah. You know, um, yeah, tear them all up and say, "Look, from those five pages, I picked out six things you can talk about." right? Because one or two paragraph really summed up their introduction, mm. right? So memorize introduction, memorize this, memorize that, that, that. Yes. They memorized six points and they got up on stage and they recalled everything perfectly. But not only that, um, they didn't have to keep trying to remember. Now they can focus on creating an impact from their knowledge. And that's what really matters, creating that impact, not just being able to remember. And same thing with knowledge. We don't want to just store knowledge for the sake of it. Mm. We want to do something with that knowledge, yeah. right? So that's why I say to people, we're not really in the information age anymore. We, are, we can Google stuff now, right? So it's what we do with that information, how we create an impact, how we create, um, uh, I guess, a result from it as soon as we can. So that that's what memory allows us to do. And so, you know, memory and, you know, isn't remembering dates in history. It's remembering the lessons from those dates so that we actually uh, progress from that and don't make the same mistakes, which I think is what our kids need to learn at schools. And you're right, none of this was at school, but uh, I think it's getting better, but it's a long mm. way to go. But you're yeah. very, very good at sharing your information. Again, tantalahali.com is where you can go to get effectively the four hacks there that are involved in the yellow elephant for free. It's a free download. And 
again, if you want to connect with uh, Tansel, that's very easy to do through his website and he's running regular programs. He's doing them in-house for organisations. He's working with elite organisations that want to message themselves better to their stakeholders, whether that be internal or external. He's working with uh, students that are trying to tick off every box at exam times, not just high school VCE, but we're talking people doing their doctorates and masters in, in sort of things. He's working with elite sports groups in understanding structures so he hasn't worked with the North Melbourne Football Club yet obviously Pete but um, yeah, he's working with the elite sort of uh, groups there um, this is a man who is so willing to share his information because uh, like everyone listening to this here at one stage he probably told himself I'm not very good with memory uh, yet he realized he had a pretty good memory if he allowed his process to be improved in line with his memory which I think is really where it's at. Rick, I just wanted to say, and um, as we start to sort of wind up here, but Tans, I've got to say I could talk to you for another hour um, and and keep testing you. But, <laughs> uh, but I'm really love it, loving just thinking about you. There's a real message in a metaphor, isn't there? It's, isn't that what metaphors are all about? It's it's, it's creating a story and a, and a visual around it. And I look now at, you know, PowerPoints and so forth. It, it is really about the imagery. And it's, it's suddenly something's really triggered over the last sort of um, several years of um, you go to a presentation, mm. there's a lot of visual stuff yeah. now. Less and bullet it, points, more visuals. Exactly right. Death by PowerPoint is around mm. all this sort of script on there as mm. opposed to but, – but great presenters are actually showing a visual and creating a story around it that's mm. helping. So I think now, and as you're, you've been speaking here today, things are certainly going off in my mind. It's like the little triggers and yep. it's, it's pretty – Pretty damn exciting, I got to say. Yeah, in terms I mean, of, de- um, death by PowerPoint is very common, right? Mm. Uh, even at universities, and um, when I look at these uh, death by PowerPoint examples, it's just abstract presented at you, right? So it doesn't leave your brain to encode anything. Mm. But as soon as they start involving images, then your brain goes, "Okay, maybe I can make sense of this." And as soon as they start telling a story or start creating more images in your head to connect you it. with yep. that data, yep. that's when you get it, mm. right? So it makes sense. And now there's, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, now with their titles of storyteller. Right, because it's getting more and more popular. Why? Mm. Because it's connecting. Yeah, I love that. It's yeah, connecting it's with people, and that's yeah. all over LinkedIn at the moment. Storyteller, yeah. visual storyteller. But, but TED TED talks have been great like that, haven't yeah. they? I mean, TED talks are. Well, what what do you see most twenty minute TED talks, and you've probably got maybe two or three slides or something like yeah, that, and a lot of content, and being a lot driven. of content, and a lot of stories. Yeah, they, they sort of hit you as soon as the time they come out. They. They create that story in your mm-hmm. mind all of a sudden then a journey starts, doesn't it? Well, all three of us have been to a lot of conferences over the years and I'm seeing now when I see a content-filled bullet point slide, all I see is every individual in the audience just do this. They just grab their phone, <laughs> they click the slide and then they go, they disengage again. Yep. And I'll go, yep. I'll retain that later. It's just too yep. much information to even look at now. But when someone tells a story, you see the phones go down, mm. you see them really engage. And and if we think about you know from you know, antiquity through to modern era, a lot of the fundamentals were passed on from generation to generation through storytelling wasn't it exactly exactly we understand that's how before there was a coded sort of alphabet before the ancient minds Mm. people were in you know around the campfires and you know just explain to the next Mm. generation here's where we've come from here's what here's what we value here's Mm. where we're heading and you know you're going to help us you know Mm. pass on that sort of that gift to the next generation so i think that's you know that's really Mm. critical one of the things that tanzel does do pete which i'm sure you're aware but for our listening audience and our viewing audience is he is actually passionate about sharing information so much so that he is the license holder of TEDx Docklands which was an event I had the great fortune of speaking at through Tanzel's kind invitation in February of 2019. It's on in 2020. It always sells out, doesn't it? And uh, we've got maybe yeah. some opportunities for some of our listening audience to buy a ticket. It's not like you have to really go and uh, you know crack the credit card out there. It's, it's You hold it at a really good venue. That makes it affordable for everybody, don't you? Oh, look, it, we sold out in a couple of weeks, yep. to be honest. It, it was insane. And that, that was before people even knew who the speakers were. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, Luckily. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, we can't show who the speakers are. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I nabbed him there because I said I need some feedback on whether whether it was any good. No, no, it, was, it, was, it turned out really good. But um, yeah, we, we can't put the presenters up obviously because people pull out last minute, so yeah. we want to disappoint people as well. So it turned out really well. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really a big TEDx fan. Yeah. Right. A lot of people think, oh, you must be because you're involved in TEDx, and I'm like, when I was filling out the application, it said, oh, what are your top three TEDx talks? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched any. So I have to go out and watch some and just just enter in the application because for me it's all about getting some amazing people in there yeah. and you know seeing the impact they have on 
uh, that audience in, on in the world because mm. we had you know a couple of the videos that went online had ten thousand views every night, yeah, yeah. every single night from you know all over the world. I mean that that's just insane. Mm. So and and their message just got out and you know people are talking about it and they know about these things. So and you know there's mental health and there's all these other amazing topics that were you know brought to the fore. So mm. I'm really yeah grateful to be involved and and to be able to meet people like Rick and um, yourself and you know uh, from it so yeah thank you and so FedEx uh, sorry FedEx TEDx Docklands 2020 what's the actual date um, yeah so TEDxDocklands.com is a website uh, February 20 uh, is the date and we, and we usually have it at the library at the docks, docks there yep um, so ticket um, prices ticket prices are $100 yep so uh, that's I think that's the max we can have anyway yep. but that's I mean it. like I said they usually sell no out it's an absolute um, $100 no for yeah 12 amazing speakers so what $12 a speaker to yep. get you know amazing information I mean yeah it's a bit like <laughs> a box of chocolates isn't it you never know what you're going to yeah, get yeah exactly yeah, and, and, and that's the beauty of it is there's such variety absolutely and you can sort of sit, sit in an audience and immerse yourself with like minded people People. That's the other thing. I mean, the feedback I got from this year's one was how many people didn't know each other until they went there and then connected and then they started sort of, you know, broadening their networks mm. really because of that sort of opportunity. So what, it is a yeah. opportunity. What, what I realized was you watch the TED Talks, but you only see the talk. But when you go to the event, it's it. such an experience. Yep that you think, wow, this is unbelievable yeah. where, you know, people come together and they network and you, you have fun little games together and there's a lot that happens that you just don't see at a talk. Like, uh, I don't know if you were there, but one of our speakers, the alarm went off at the library. So we had to cut it short. And just before it went off, he was talking about pattern interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So it's talking about pattern interrupt and then the alarm goes off. So we all had a good laugh and, um, you know. He was an actor, so he was good uh, in was, the improv. It couldn't have happened it, to. It couldn't the, happen to. It, yeah. The right guy. It, it was the right guy if it was going to happen to, which I think is, uh, you know, critically important. But anyway, there's the opportunity, 20th of February mm, at the Docklands uh, Library. Tanzel Ali is our guest. If this is helping you, imagine how it could help your network. So please make sure that you share the content here. Make sure that you subscribe to never miss an episode because we are passionate about bringing thought leaders like Tanzel to the microphone, to the video camera and giving as much value-added content as we possibly can. Tanzel, it's been an absolute uh, delight for from our end. We uh, well, The amount of people really- who are telling me can't wait to hear this one you know like it was really out there when we sort of just flagged it that it was going to be happening this week and so for you to come into our little humble uh, hq voices of value hq and sort of share your uh, your memory hacks is something that we don't take lightly or for granted we really appreciate it and it is something that everybody needs especially in this social media day where we're training our brain mm. for shortcuts and we're you know, yeah. we're almost training our brain to get rid of information not to retain mm. it to have the ability to just share some simple concepts in those four opportunities again gang if you don't download this free how easy can it be if it's free you know, someone's saying, can you drop it around? No, no, you have to go get it. It uh, doesn't get any easier. You just go on to tanzilali.com. You'll see the free download there. Make sure you do it. And uh, if you get the opportunity to do TEDx Stocklands, 20th of February, it's uh, it's a great event. I can I can tell you as someone who spoke at it and sat in the audience and sort of retained some of the information, made some connections there. Uh, some of the guests we've had on this program, Jonathan Creek, uh, Nick Brax, were you know from connections at that particular event. So... It is a great one. This is a world-class memory champion, but he's also a world-class thought leader and giver. Mm-hmm. So, Tanzel, on behalf of everyone at Voices of Value, thank you for the gift of your time and the gift of your knowledge and, more importantly, helping us remember more things. Pete, what are we doing next? I forgot. Uh, I think we better say goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Tanzel. Really appreciate it. Good stuff. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Craig. <laughs> Stephen Craig. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos, and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source, and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, voicesofvaluepodcast.com. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice and the value added way.